This is TF Wire, Transformers Week in Review, Episode 56. Recorded September 24th, 2006. Autobots, Decepticons, Beast Wars. If you're a robot in disguise, come to Hasbro's Transformers BotCon show and sail this weekend at Rupp Arena in the Bluegrass Ballroom. Meet the Hasbro Transformers team. First 100 kids each day receive a free Transformers figure. See thousands of Transformers on display and for sale. Meet Peter Cullen, voice of Optimus Prime. Doors open Saturday at 10 a.m. and Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Don't miss this one-time-only Transformers celebration. See you at Rupp Arena. Get more info at BotCon.com. Welcome to TF Wire. It's the finger holes, Ultra Magnus. We shall call you New Soundway. It pays to get Transformers because you get girls. This is Matrix Prime. I was 64. This is Matt Spader. This is Kira saying Transformers. Chill out. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of TF Wire. I am Spada. And once again, this is TF Wire. It's just like a really good burrito. This week we're doing another monthly Minicom update because Jesse slash Matrix Prime is not here. Today I am joined by Awa64. Nice to be here. And Sorry I missed last week. And the mighty Kyrus. And I'm going to keep talking over you for no apparent reason. <laughs> yes, welcome all to the second edition of Minicon Monthly. It's not monthly, but it is about Minicons. Indeed it is. After a fashion. Maybe. We're, re- we're really not sure where Matrix is. He said he probably wasn't going to be here, so... He just kind of bailed on us, really. <laughs> yeah, no love from the Matrix. And just a heads up, I'm recording outside, so if you hear any weird sounds in the background, like police sirens, or people yelling, or gunshots, please pay no attention to it. (laughs) Yes, nothing to see, folks. Move along. (laughs) Pretty much. So, getting into the news. Sure, let's get into it. First news, Black Convoy returns, in a shocker that nobody saw coming, T.S. THS-02 Convoy will be repainted in the now-familiar black, silver, and turquoise color scheme. The figure is an e-hobby exclusive and will also feature a few new accessories, including a G2 Prime Prime style head, which can... Wait a minute. Jesse screwed up. Want me to take over for you? No, Jesse... Jesse botched it. It's including two G2 Primus style heads, which can replace the original convoy head, as well as two G2 style guns, which can be used with either figure in both robot and vehicle mode. The figure is expected to be released in February 07, and the pictures can be seen at www.e-hobby.co.jp. At this point, the color scheme isn't really that interesting. It's not good, it's not bad, it just kind of is. You know? It's the same way that the original one came out in red and blue. It's not like you could really comment on the color scheme as far as it being a good color scheme or a bad color scheme. It's been used so many times that conversation's been done to death. I think the really exciting part of this is that there have been remolds. I'm, for one, getting tired of these all-black figures. Uh, We had all black figures in Robots Masters, we've gotten black figures in Galaxy Force, in Energon, in Armada. When is enough enough? 
The one thing I will note, the two extra guns that it comes with are spring-loaded and fit on the trailer uh, where the booster pack fits in the front, and it looks very reminiscent of Power Master Prime. I thought that was really cool. That was the thing that caught my eye when I first saw it, even more than any color scheme changes. Yeah, because I just I didn't care about the color scheme. I saw yeah. that and I went, "Ooh, I like that." Well, the thing that would and make if the thing wasn't the it, size of a basic, it would make me want to get it. <laughs> and the thing that really gets me is the amount of detail that's gone into sculpting the Generation Two heads. Um, it did throw me a bit when I heard about the G Two heads, but they're actually uh, spot on likeness of the cover of Number One. Generation 2 comic, just the uh, big close-up of Optimus Prime's head going, this is not your father's Autobot. It is a spot-on sculpt of exactly the kind of stylized face plate grill War Machine Prime you get from Generation 2, and they're fantastic. Alright, you know, now, there was something on our forums, uh, one of our members is going to be attending BotCon. If you can talk to, if you're listening, if you can talk to Peter Cullen, I want a quote of that. This is not your father's Autobot. I want him to say that, along with, you're listening to TF Wire. Well, if I can manage to get down there sometime next week, and I'll give it a shot for you. No oh, guarantees, because oh. I have no idea if I'll be able to get down there or not, but... <laughs> <sighs> well, here's hoping. Yeah, I really want to go. I really want to go as well. I just, I can't. I, there's just too much crap going on. I, can't I may go. or may not be able to go. I have no idea how much homework I'm going to have. And it's an hour and a half both ways, and I don't think I'd be able to stay more than a day. At least you two have the option of going or not. You're not tied down <laughs> by. Yeah, but you got you got to go to auto assembly. See, I've never been to a Transformers convention. Nor have I. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. There's nothing with. There has never been a Transformers convention, even within driving distance. The closest one to me was in um, oh Anaheim, Florida. And that's at least a 15-hour drive from Baltimore. This is the closest one there's been to me since I realized they were having BotCons. And really, I wish I could go, and I hope I can go, but I doubt it at this point. Well, yeah, but you Americans, you, you do the you do Transformers conventions, uh, and British people do Transformers conventions. You know, this was just one room with about 300 people in uh, for half a day, whereas BotCon is like... Multi-day extravaganza with toys and guests and dealers and hotels and its own website and oh, everything's bigger. Surely that's got to be worth a fifteen-hour drive. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is, I was also in school and now I'm working, and it's like uh, I just can't get away. Oh, I'm, I'm a sad, sad workaholic. You're a sad panda. I'm a sad panda. Now Matrix is going to make an audio clip of that, isn't he? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> if not the burrito thing. <laughs> All right. So okay, yeah, but, the next topic. No, no, let's just come up with some more sound bites and just scrap the news for once. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do that at the end. Jess, or yeah, Jesse. Curious. Okay. Story two. Story two. Transformers coming to the Motor City. Local Detroit news stations are reporting that Michael Bay and company will be travelling to The Motor City to film portions of the upcoming movie. Shooting is expected to begin in the first week of October, with primary filming taking place at the Central train station. 75 extras will also be tapped for shooting of various street and chase scenes. I do like the way you call Detroit Motor City. Uh, it just sounds so sci-fi. 
Like in England, we tried calling Sheffield Freedom City, but it never it never caught on. A lot of our a lot of the cities in the U.S. are like that. You've got the wind. Chicago is the wind. Is it Chicago or San Francisco? Uh, that's oh, oh, it's Chicago. Chicago is the windy city. New York is the Big Apple. L.A. is the cesspool. <laughs> um, Cincinnati is that shithole in the Midwest. And then there's all of Jersey, which is just annexed from the rest of the world. Um, Jersey is the central location for weirdness in the universe. <sighs> Sorry for anybody who lives in Jersey. <laughs> Actually, a lot of my friends live in Jersey, so... <laughs> Sorry for anybody who lives in Cincinnati, too. Really, I wish you didn't have to. <laughs> then there's Kansas. Then there was Kansas City, the city that was nuked by Hollywood. This all just passes me by, this sort of subtle commentary on American geography and cultural divides. I, I, it's just lost on me. There isn't really anything <laughs> worth catching on to. You probably know about as much about the Great Plains as we know about Wales. Maybe you might even know a little bit more. Brilliant. Anyway, oh, wait, wait, uh, if, <laughs> wait, what was the story again? <laughs> uh, we were talking about the fact that Michael Bay was shooting in Detroit. Which my response to is, okay. Actually, it makes it kind of makes sense, considering that the entire movie is being sponsored by GM. Maybe they'll blow up GM. Who knows? <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Is there anything else to say on this story as you go into number three? Um, I don't think there was a story here. Mm, this is just kind of, hey, he's gonna, there's going to be stuff happening there. Yeah. I, honestly, I think there's going to be actually more pictures taken of the movie set this time, simply because of the number of photographers who are in the business of getting spy shots of new vehicles. And also the fact that Detroit unlike California, was built upwards instead of outwards. Yeah, pretty much. It's a denser city, so there's more places to hide and sneak from. Story Although, were they shooting in California, or were they shooting in uh, New Mexico or something like that? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Someplace really warm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Story number three. New Frank Welker interview. AllSpark.com has put up a new interview with the legendary voice actor Frank Welker. While the interview itself is text-based, Frank has submitted an audio file of himself portraying G1 Megatron. In the interview, questions that pertain to the movie, we learn that Frank has indeed submitted audio tracks to the studio of him portraying Megatron per their request, and that he was also contacted again to submit a few lines of improv as the character. As he stated in the interview, and as we've heard in other announcements from the studio, the decision for who will voice Megatron will probably won't come until post-production of the movie. Oh, Amazing that they actually managed to get an interview with Frank Welker. That's yeah. one of those things that people usually don't ever manage to land. And He's busy as hell. He is... Oh my god, if you put him on... If you put his name into IMDB, it, he has something like five, six hundred credits to his name. And that's and, only what IMDB has listed. There's probably more. Oh, there's gotta be more, because he's done just about every animal in every cartoon in the past, like, 10, 15 years. Like, uh, in Gargoyles, he was the dog Gargoyle Bronx. Uh, he was... he. It's been... If you look through, it says, like, Pokemon, dog. Um, G.I. <laughs> Joe, dog. <laughs> Something the dog. I, I, I hate yeah, to say that he's... got over 550 a, credits listed, 
And he even says in the interview, that's his job security, that he does animals all the time. A gorilla snake, I mean, good God, man. Yeah, that, they said, he said in the interview that uh, one of the big things that's managed to get him in town to work in the industry is that people will hire him because when they hire him, they get all their animal voices for free. <laughs> Job security. Oh, this week on YouTube, I saw a video of uh, Joe Cornish and Adam Buxton uh, going over to America, and one of them was playing the role of an agent, uh, sorry, a talent agent, and the other guy was playing the role of a voice actor. And they went to meet Susan Blue, who is, uh, as everyone will know, is the voice of RC from the movie. And, uh, and the voice director of Beast Wars. Yes. And uh, they had, um, they just had a, oh, I can't remember it. It's a problem with Adam and Joe's. You never get the two of them the right way around. They had one of them go into the uh, studio and try and record some donkey voices. And he just went in and went, I'm a donkey. I'm a donkey. <laughs> uh, and Susan Blue, there was trying her best to sort of encourage him to do a proper donkey voice. And he's just like, I, I'm a donkey. <laughs> wow. Uh, I should post a link up to that in the forums, I think. <laughs> And you, you know the sad thing is, Eddie Murphy probably did the exact same thing when he tried out for Shrek. <laughs> and he got the part. Yeah. Twice. Oh. <laughs> but seriously, though, listening to the voice clip honestly kind of scared me, because it sounded like Megatron has emphysema, or worse emphysema than he originally did. Now, Frank Walker's maybe, probably just a bit rusty at doing Megatron. He probably did that on spur of the moment instead that's of in, doing that's a lot what of one-up stuff. I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was willing to bet he just did it on the spur of the moment. I mean, even if you look at uh, voice actors when you see them at panels and stuff like that, if they ever do voices at the panels, they never sound quite right either if because well, they haven't right. been, had the post-production and they're jumping from one to another. And not I mean, only that, they don't have the only the person same... I think who I've heard have, that does pull that off is uh, Scott McNeil. And uh, I was just about he's to just say, like God. <laughs> I was just about to give that in as an example. Also, with a lot of these voice actors, if you see the studios, they've got pop filters, they've got super high-end mics that cost more than my car. Um, I mean, it's all pristine equipment and. I mean, we're and talking even about the going human voice, back so. to Transformers in 1984, they were doing a lot of post-production on the voices. Look at Soundwave. <laughs> Soundwave no, was Doctor no, Claw with a reverb effect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's very true. <laughs> all right, uh, so do we all agree that Frank Welker should at least be offered the role? He should be given as fair a shot at it as anyone else. Okay. And I think he'd agree on that as well. If there's someone better for the role, they deserve the role. I can't think of anybody who would be at this point in time, though. I mean, except, well, David K. maybe, maybe not. It all depends on how they end up using Megatron in the movie. The only other person I could... Yeah, you're exactly right. How they end up doing it. Um, I was thinking, uh, we were asked a couple of episodes ago, who would we like to see as voice actors for the other characters? And I completely forgot about Scott McNeil. He could so pull off some of the other characters. He could probably pull off all the other characters. <laughs> Just no more Silverbolt voice, please. Whatever. Alright, Curious, you want to take number four, please? Number four! The Transformers Evolution's number four preview. IDWpublishing.com has published a five-prey... 
IDWpublishing.com has posted a five-page preview of the upcoming Transformers Evolutions number four comic. The tagline reads, Tobias Muldoon must stop the Astro Train from reaching New York City or face a world under the iron rule of the Decepticons. His allies are the Autobots and the legendary steel-driving man John Henry. Steam-driven, iron-clad action as the robots in disguise break cover to do battle at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. The issue will be released on the September 27th and will feature two covers by Guido Gidi. I'm looking forward to this one. It's nice to have Guido or Guido or however the hell it's pronounced. I'm sorry. Guido. It's pronounced Guido. Guido? Guido. It's Italian. Did he shoot first? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's nice to have him back as the regular artist on the book. The villain artist just was kind of jarring after the awesome art on the first two issues. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, issue 3 was nowhere near as clean and defined as issues 1 and 2. Yeah, there are some guys just standing around with gigantic heads and misproportioned cartoon arms, and uh, I really did have to kind of like flick back to the beginning to check that it wasn't Guido who was doing the art there. It was quite shonky. And a couple of the Transformers, they just didn't look right. I, they looked like something that was... It, I'm not saying that it was bad... But it looked like something that was drawn in the G1 comic art. That's exactly what I thought. It, it just looked very um, okay for the times if it was 1980s when it was very low-paid backwater comic book mm -hmm. art. But I suppose part of the problem is that he's got to not only fit into the Guido Guidi style, uh, Guido Guidi style, but he's also got to go with the established design aesthetic of the book. You know, these kind of industrial revolution trains with wings and horns and saw blades for arms and it, it's quite a hard act to follow it's not as easy to sort of fill in as of just the regular Transformers titles I have to say generally speaking though the series has been fantastic oh, going absolutely. in I loved the idea of steampunk Transformers <laughs> and going through it's been it's really felt like an old school comic like the kind of stories you haven't seen since the 80s yeah the, the whole sort of tone of the story is a nice refreshing break from the other titles that IDW are releasing at the moment, uh, especially at the end of issue three where uh, Tobias just breaks into the house and he goes, oh no, I've been attacked by robots, and then uh, uh, I think Jules Verne just pops out with a big cigar going, hmm, tell me this incredible story, man. <laughs> it's like, in comics today, the building of the Decepticon City would have taken the course of one or two story arcs before they went anywhere with it, and this one page of an issue. I like that. It's it's nice and, and tongue in cheek. Hmm. And we also get we also see just how manipulative the Decepticons are. And you saw that in some respect in some other comics, but this one, you just see you really see how good Starscream is at being an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. I have to say that. Hearts of Steel, more than Infiltration, more than Stormbringer, more than even the movie that we've got coming up, really does seem to exemplify what Transformers should be at its best. Absolutely. And I love the fact that we... that Actually, the only thing that has bothered me about the entire run of this series is that it's just driving me nuts that Bumblebee, while he was in that dinosaur form, just walked up and within 
what, like three seconds, had scanned a new form and already transformed and already changed. That just irked me a little bit. Hmm. Everything has a few plot holes, and I can probably come up with some kind of fanon explanation. Let's say they were in sleep mode and they were subconsciously scanning for new alternate modes to fit in with the current environments while they were in sleep mode. Well, yeah, but like while Ravage was sneaking up um, to the window to attack people in issue number three, he um, just before he crashes through the window, they go, is that a sound of a train coming? And you just get the impression of this giant mechanical clunking monster that would make an awful lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially because it's Ravage who is meant to be the stealthy spy. He's just this incredible sort of like bag full of spoons. Uh, and so the idea that Bumblebee can transform so stealthily and spyingly is a bit, well, anyway, it doesn't irk me. It's just great, especially the best thing I liked about this comic book was the way that it wasn't meant to be a sort of reinterpretation of the classic general mythos, and it wasn't meant to be just a sort of reboot of the continuity, but it was its own standalone continuity. So when when, um, in issue two, when you had the Decepticons come along and say, you know, we only want to advance your own society... Uh, and we want to just show you the way of logic. We've come from the stars to help you. You know, I, I was taken in by that. And I was thinking, well, maybe they aren't the bad guys here. I didn't come to it with all the preconceptions that any other Transformers title would have. That is something that's always been kind of interesting about the whole Transformers mythos. Unlike a lot of other franchises, despite all the continuity that's been built up over the years, it's so easy and so easily accepted by the fans to throw things around and cherry-pick new ideas and throw them into series that get fully fleshed out without having to say, like you would with a Superman or a Batman comic book, that this is a imaginary story, hmm. or an Elseworlds, or a what-if. Well, it's just the nature of what it is. Yeah. I mean, the Transformers, they change. They change forms. They change styles. They change continuities. They change <laughs> continuities more, t- more times than... Well, God, I think the only thing that actually I can think of that has as much continuity issues as with with Transformers is Star Trek. Simply from all the time. Transformers really have many continuity issues. It's well, just got too many continuities. continuities. <laughs> <laughs> too many separate universes. Maybe like if you just think about Superman, that Superman's had the comic, he's had the cartoon, he's had the TV series, he's had the radio show, he's had the books, he's had the children's books. But no, still not even really that. Oh god, don't even talk about Spider-Man. How many comics did he have at one time? 13 different comics at one time going? Uh, I think it was only four or five ongoings. Maybe there were some miniseries and books he was also appearing in. Yeah, because I remember in the mid to late 90s, there were like eight to ten different books he was appearing in all at the same time. Including Transformers. Yay! He was in issue three. That was the the 80s. Eh, whatever. Uh, I, I was trying to, to bring give, this back to Transformers. I have to give props <laughs> to Crazy. I have to give props to Crazy Steve. Um, the man made an awesome, awesome diorama with Megatron, G1 Megatron, and the black costume Spider-Man, like in nice. the one issue. It's on our forums. Go ahead and check out the forums, guys. It's fantastic work. It's just he used for Spider-Man's webbing he used the twisty ties that come with the toys. <laughs> wow. Yay! Go Steve! So, yeah. So, are we up for Minicon Monthly now? Yes. Well, we got one more story. <laughs> new resin prototypes appear. Mike Gein of the AllSpark has discovered a new toy listings in the Japanese patent office. The new listings are as follows. PSP robot. Camera robot. Classic Megatron 2-pack tank, 
Cell Phone Robot, Classics Rodimus, Megatron, Grimlock, Grimlock, yeah, Grimlock, Grimlock, and Bumblebee. Note that um, these aren't official names or anything. No, no. Uh, now, Nevermore has included a link to the PSP bot, the camera bot, and the cell phone bot, where he has mirrored these pictures so you don't have to go through the path. Oh, no, office. it was Drifter, not um, Nevermore, oh, wasn't it? Oh, it was Drifter? I think it was. Oh, sorry. Well, well, whoever, somebody mirrored it, and we're going to post that later in our forums for everybody to see. Now, these things are cool. They look, <laughs> they look awesome. Um, I have to, I gotta thank you, Kiris, for pointing this out to us right before the we started the show. Oh, it only just broke today, so. Yeah, they. Uh, I didn't, I didn't even see it, so. They did an impeccable job on the design on these. You know, no, these are just the resin ones, but I'm, I am totally digging the little game console guy looks like a combination between the Game Gear and the Wonder Swan. Yeah, it's definitely... I don't really think it's a PSP, other than the fact that it has four buttons on one side and the gamepad on the other. It's not that PSP-ish. Yeah, and there's no thumbstick either, so... The screen's more like a Wonder Swan. The D-pad kind of resembles the Sega Nomad. And uh, the buttons are more kind of like what you'd expect from uh, the DS or a portable SNES or something like that. Which I then, guess is kind uh, of PSP-ish. It's yeah. a very generic, but a very believable-looking game system. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the Micro, uh, Microman line, where you had a camera and you had a yeah. magnifying glass. Now, the little di the di the camera is actually a digital camera. It's very reminiscent of the Canon uh, QuickShot camera. You mean the and Elf or the Power Shots? I think it looks more like an Elf. The, uh, more like an the, elf. I'm talking about the QuickShot. Unless it's all, unless I'm got the name wrong, which is entirely possible. I've never heard of a Canon Quick Shot. It might be the Power Shot, but it looks great. It it looks absolutely fantastic. It looks a lot like a real camera. It's got all the mm -hmm. major design features. I would believe it as a camera, if not for all the seams on the thing, which would probably yep. be improved by the fact that it won't be a resin prototype when we manage to see it. And who the, the hell spilled that? that? Oh, I'm sorry, I was just stacking up all my Energon cubes idly, and they all fell over. Oh. Okay. Bad Kira's. Sorry. Well, anyway, I think the thing that impresses me the most out of it is that they managed to get a really nice-looking symmetrical robot out of a really asymmetrical transformation. Mm -hmm. And also, the head kind of reminds me of uh, the remold of Energon Iron, uh, Energon Inferno. I think it was like Roadblock or something like that. Roadblock or Hoist, one of yeah. those names. I think it was Roadblock in Japan, Hoist in the U.S. Okay. So it's, I, this yeah, is going to be I, our I, reflector, and the PS and the uh, game system one is going to be our sound wave. I can only hope. And how about that cell phone one? That was probably what that I thought was the cell least phone impressive one. one. Oh, now come on. That's my favorite one. It's the least <laughs> impressive out of the three to me. It's still a good one, but it's the least impressive. It might be... I can see where you would think it would be the least impressive, but it's still my favorite simply because I had a camera that or a uh, phone that looks almost exactly like that, and it's just it's it's cool, it's funny, it and it's looks in, the impressive part of it is how much it looks like a cam camera phone. I mean, yeah, it looks exactly like either a Nokia or a Samsung camera phone. I've seen ones that look almost identical to. It. The yeah, thing mine. that I found unimpressive is that the transformation is 
basically completely ignoring the top part of the phone. Yeah, unfortunately you have to, I think from looking at the transformation, I believe you have to open the phone and then spin the back, that top part around to get the head in where it needs to be. It's, no, it's a giant, heads. it's, it's kibble. It's the a massive the amount place. of kibble. It's going heads back the to the robots in disguise parts. Car Brothers where they just had large parts of the alt mode hanging off the robot. Yeah. But, <laughs> on the other I'm looking forward to all three of these, and I'll probably end up picking up all three of these. Even I've wanted good roleplay Transformers for some time now. Even if they're Japan exclusives, I am still going to get a hold of them somehow. Yeah, when I say that this was the least impressive out of the three, it's by no means unimpressive. This stuff is way, is leagues above Laserbeak from Armada. Yeah, but Laserbeak from Armada wasn't the most recent roleplay toy since that wave. But we will get classic Megatron. The most recent transforming roleplay toy. Yes, the most recent transforming. Classics Megatron. Well, yeah, and we do have Classics Megatron coming up too, but Classics Megatron is not trying to resemble a real world object. Well, that's the problem with Classics Megatron is that he can't represent the real world object of a handgun. Yeah. So. He looks like a Nerf gun, which is not surprising considering Hasbro makes Nerf. But the question is, it would have been which line are these going to be released as? Are they going to be the movie line? Are they going to be part of the classics line? Are they going to be a role-play line? That is a good question. I hadn't even I, thought that it might be part of the movie line. While we were talking about it, I thought about it being part of the movie line simply because, what was that rumor that was going around a little while ago? It was ago? even in part of the script that there were some yeah. stuff like an Xbox 360 coming to life in the movie. Hmm. On the other so, hand, though, considering that, the design style just does not resemble the movie ones that much. Well, who, these aren't Cybertronian... I mean, the Cybertrons came to Earth and took Earth forms. This is human technology given Cybertron The robot modes don't look like the robot modes that they've been using for the... Uh, I, f- I think no, that's the no. case, though, designs, though, because the ones that we've seen released in the movie so far, the Optimus and Megatron, have all been done by the production department and the art department of the movie studio, whereas these are just toys that have been made well, by Well, we've Hasbro. also seen the Starscream toy. We've seen the Starscream toy. Yeah, but that, again, that was primarily designed by the art team, sorry, the uh, movie team, whereas these toys will look like something that will be tied into the movie, but released by Hasbro and designed by them and not kind of like have any connection with the movie in terms of if design aesthetic they're gonna at all. have enough stuff for the movie, I think, if they're going to release it as a toy that's separate from the movie line, it would not be included with the movie line, it would get yeah. jumped into the classics line. We could Especially be considering at it. that you've got a decent reflector there, you've got a decent sound wave, and you've got a decent... Uh, should we come up with a name for him right now? Looking at the camera? Yeah, should we come up with a name for the telephone one right now? Shockwave. No. No, th- no, it doesn't do the name justice. You sure it looks like him? Well, with the big eye, yeah, but you, they can't use the name Shockwave. Why not? They got it back. They did? Huh? Yeah. They released a Minicon named Shockwave. Yeah, they did. I could have sworn... Shame on you! You should have got that on the last Minicon monthly. <laughs> no, I just I could have sworn that the name Shockwave was taken by Adobe. That's a different market. Doesn't it's also matter, taken by name. a hair gel here in the UK. Yeah. That's why the reason they couldn't get Blue Streak for the longest time is because Hollywood owns it. For what? But Hollywood can use that for merchandising, whereas hair gel and software name don't usually get turned into toys. No, that's true. Uh, to answer your question, it was Blue Streak starring uh, Martin Lawrence. Ah. Which actually wasn't a bad movie. Even though it had Martin I'll Lawrence. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, come on. Martin Lawrence was okay, and um, 
Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the point. Uh, we're going to be posting a link to at least some source picks. for the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, some source for the pictures, or how to do it, or whatnot, and we'll get those on the forums for everybody to take a look at, or just go to the AllSpark and look around. So, do we want to do a discussion topic now, or just jump straight to listener questions? Um, it's up to I you think guys. we should go straight into listener questions because we are on 32 minutes at the moment. And we've also added in the extra material we're talking about mini-cons. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good with that, the discussion topic for this week. Maybe we can release it as a special sometime midweek or something like that if we want to do it later. Yeah, that'd be fine. So don't actually expect that because we're all lazy as hell, but... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. So, discussion... So, listener question numero uno. I have no idea why I started saying that in Spanish. Oh, and just to let everybody know, we need more of them, so go ahead and forward them. TFYR. And where can they send them? TFYR at gmail.com. Yeah. They can post them in the forums. Excellent. And where are those forums at? All right. TFYR.com. <laughs> at TFYR.com, look on the right of the screen. There will be a little thing saying forums. Click it. And Awa is in a wind tunnel right now. Okay, question one. You guys can hear me all right, right? Yep. Yep. Question one comes from Randy, and he writes, What made you like Transformers as much as you do? Was it an event, character, an episode, or maybe something else? I was three or four, so I don't exactly remember what made me get into them in the first place, but I think it was because I was always, I've always been into engineering and science and robots, because... I just like that stuff, and I guess that's how I got into it. Um, unfortunately, it was I was so young, I don't remember. I was like three or four. I got a few of the toys, and I absolutely loved them. I don't know what made me love them originally, but it probably had something to do with how cool it was that they could transform. And that also made them really kind of fun to play with, because I was always kind of taking things apart and putting them back together. So being able to have something that was kind of had that built into it was an awesome thing for it. And uh, then uh, some really good friends of mine had a ton of them, and that probably helped reinforce them. And then Beast Wars came out, and that kind of solidified me as a Transformers geek for life. Beast Machines drove me away, but when I heard that they were doing an Armada Unicron toy, it drug me right back into the hobby. <laughs> and I've been collecting ever since then. Oh, well, I really loved... Um the annual I got, I think it was a 1987 annual, the one with the airbrushed picture of Ultra Magnus and Galvatron running towards each other, uh, because previously I just had, you know, toys that hang around, I had, you know, a couple of He-Man, I had some turtles, but when I got that Transformers annual, it was so rich and complex, you had the stories, you had the text stories, you had the tech specs, you had the comic books, you had all the kind of, like, strips, the excerpts from the strips, it just hinted at this gigantic universe with all these sort of wonderful possibilities out there. Uh, it was a kind of short story about uh, the Dinobot swoop kind of coming back and feeling quite guilty that Optimus Prime had saved him that really kind of like dragged me further into the universe. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of He-Man figures, and, you know, it's one of those things of I really wish I still had them because I could make a fortune off on eBay right now. But uh, I had He-Man for a long time, and then all of a sudden I had... I don't remember how I got Transformers, but I know I had GoBots as well, and I think it was Shame on you for buying those Kmart Transformers. Well, I never bought them. Owning but them. But I had then. them. Although I actually but have I, a GoBot or two as well. But I think it was a... And I also have a few pre-Transformers. Not anything that ever got included with the line, but... 
I managed to come across something that came from the same line as G1 Omega Supreme did. Oh, some of the converters stuff they did. Yeah. I've got my hands on some of the stuff as well. It's really odd. There's the jet one that would transform via remote control. Unfortunately, it was broken to the point where it wouldn't transform via remote control, but if you pushed on it in the right way, it would automatically transform back into jet mode. <laughs> nice. Uh, 80s engineering. <laughs> and battery acid leakage. A winning combination. <laughs> <laughs> and we now know why Awa is the way he is. <laughs> now, that was recent. That I got far after I got into the toys. That was, like, last year. <laughs> <laughs> I've been insane far, far before I ran into that thing. <laughs> I think we need to move on. Yes. From Yami4CT, we have the question, What old G1 character do you want to see released in the Classics line? Ironhide. Ironhide. I really in- loved the BotCon exclusive last year where they'd re-released Energon Toline as Ironhide, and I really badly want to pick him up, but I, he's £80. And I would just love to get my hands on a version of the character uh, with kind of current engineering technology that doesn't cost £80. Shockwave, Brawn. Um... Why Shockwave? We've had quite a number of Shockwaves in the recent lines with the Alternators and Energon. That's true. So I definitely want to see... Well, no, we had a Brawn in Robots in Disguise. That was X-Brawn. No, we had an X-Brawn. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think we're going to get Brawn back, though. How about Warpath? Ooh. I'd, I'd really like to see some of the mini, some of the uh, mini bots, mini bots come back. Like I'd, I'd really like to see a Cliff Jumper. I really want to see a a, um, a Warpath. I really want to see a Power Glide. I always like Power Glide because he could fly. Yeah, but... I got a second Warpath. I love Warpath. Bang! Pow! Kazam! And the original toy was just fun too. Yeah, it was. It wasn't anything. It was, and it was always obvious that he was a tank. Yeah. And when they've re- and he's one of the few Autobots that could use his vehicle mode as a weapon. Yeah. And when they uh, now, had him in the IE Dreamwave ongoing Generation One title, where they just redrew him in a sort of lovely Dreamwave style with all the angular lines and the rivets, he just looked so hard ass. And all those cracks. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I was just thinking the one that I would like to see out of the whole thing, because I've never been a... Damn it, I forgot. Do you wanna? Oh, oh, oh you mean you forgot that. Uh... Yeah, I forgot which one. I, I had a really good idea, and then I forgot it. Warpath... Oh, now, now I got it. Not a classic G1, it came pretty late in the line, but I would love to see some kind of form of punch slash counterpunch. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Something like the clones. I think that would be very cool. I think the idea of uh, Autobot Decepticon double agent that has two different robot modes is a really awesome idea. Uh, you mean punch counterpunch? Yeah, that's why I said pound, okay. punch counterpunch. Oh, I thought, I'm sorry, I was thinking um, pounce and wingspan for some reason. Okay, I can <laughs> see pounce to punch. But in what way, shape, or form does wingspan sound like counterpunch? Because oh, wait, because I'm in a wind tunnel. That, and I'm looking at the picture of the uh, toy guide ah. from the 80s. So, any other ideas, or are we ready to keep going on? Well, city bots would be nice, but I don't think we're going to manage to get a toy that big at this point. I would love some city bots, but you're right. That That's just, um, can we say bank 
breaking. Yeah, the <laughs> only way we'd see city bots would be if we had a line that was heavily focusing on minicons. And Jesse would probably go on a murderous rampage if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, <"Rawr."> yeah. He'd <laughs> turn green and then tear off his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait, that's not something I'd care to see. Good but... <laughs> point. So, we ready to uh, move on to the last question? I Number three. So. All right. Our last question comes from Jason. The Jasonator. Jace-tacular. Jace-tastic. It's Jason. Yes, I'm insane. Jason writes, Would you like to see the Dinobots in the second or third movie if they're made? If this had been asked about six months ago, I would have said no, because seeing you know Optimus Prime as a giant truck on screen would work because it's a giant truck. Seeing Megatron as a tank, that would work. But seeing a gigantic robotic dinosaur with a big gold we head... Saw that in 19... We saw Dinobots in 1994 with Jurassic Park. <laughs> but... Well, we've also had... We've also had... You're right, Jurassic Park. We've also had the Beast Wars. Well, that, yeah. And oddly enough, Beast Wars Megatron in the original form looked eerily similar to the Jurassic Park Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> now that does remind me of something, though. If we do see the Dinobots in the movie... I'd like to see it as, not as Autobots, but as Decepticons. And as some kind of weird experiment being done by the Decepticons to control and animate organic life forms. And have, like, walking skeletons with an, of dinosaurs with an energy field around them. And just have them, like, as a cameo type thing and have them get mowed through real quick, but... <laughs> Wait, giant Tyrannosaurus Rex with an... Wasn't that an episode of the real Ghostbusters? Uh, I wouldn't know. You'd have to ask J. Michael Straczynski. Do you know why you'd have to ask J. Michael Straczynski? Because <laughs> he wrote it. I think so, yeah. He, if, even if he didn't write that episode, he was the story editor. He was involved with the series. So yes, having deferred it to the creator of Babylon 5, I think we've finished that question. <laughs> uh, well, you spoke about it. I didn't get a, I didn't even get a chance to comment, so here I go. You don't deserve one. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And now the podcast has an explicit tag on it. Great. (laughs) No, um, honestly, I I wouldn't mind seeing the characters, but I really don't want to see dinosaurs. And it's about robots in disguise, not about robots in the obvious. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a good point there. If anything, I think Grimlock, you know, it's he's such an iconic figure. He, it's hard to consider him as anything else but a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, considering or, in the past fictions where we've actually managed to see a Grimlock, there was War Within where we saw him as a weird tank thingy, and haven't we been seeing? Is my memory faulty, or have we been seeing him in Stormbringer as? Oh, guess what? A tank thingy. And that's what I was just about to bring up. It, he, he's been a a f- tank thingy. That's really the only way we can describe Although, it. Although, kind of, hasn't that happened to Megatron too? Once you lose your original alt mode, unless you go to Beast Wars, you're kind of a tank thingy. <laughs> well, Megatron's been a tank thingy since uh, Gen Two, and except in R.I.D., where he was a but a buttload of he was a six-changer, and then he was a ten He was changer. a hand, a car, an elephant, yep. a two-legged, 
Heffalump, a... Well, oh. well first he, st he started off as robot, hand, car, bat, jet, and, um... And he was a jet in Machine Wars, dildo. too. Yeah, and he was a, a... He was a jet in which one? Machine Wars. He was also a... And then he was a jet, jet slash car in Cybertron. And he was a jet towards the end of the Generation 2 line with the cancelled ATB Megatron Starscream twin pack. That never got trail. released, though. But he was still kind of going to go gonna go in that direction. That is true, and I must say now for the record that it is creepy as hell that Megatron would shove Starscream up his ass. <laughs> yeah. Dear God, man. Look but at the I toys! Really I know, I know, I'm... I'm I'm not going there. I'm in a happy place. I'm not. <laughs> I don't mean like kind of like. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Uh -huh. No, what were you gonna say, dude? Oh, I was just gonna say, sort of. But judging by the two of them put together, you know, you think that the bitch and butcher relationship would be the other way round, but I, I really shouldn't be going there. <laughs> uh, oh dear God. <laughs> and this is why people listen to TF Wire. <laughs> you never know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I think we've had enough for the Yeah, I think week. we've kind of killed the podcast. Uh, I think it's time to crawl off to bed. <laughs> yeah, this has been another edition of Minicon Monthly, where we run the podcast into the ground while Jesse's not here. <laughs> Brought to you by Bitch and Butch. <laughs> And Once burritos. Again, <laughs> yes, and burritos. <laughs> Once again, I am Spada signing out. This is Auto64 saying, see you in seven. This is Cura saying... Hopefully with me not in a wind tunnel. <laughs> uh, and this is Cura saying goodnight, everybody. No! I'm not your enemy. I'm not a spy. I am on your side. But you hang me out to try. You know?